Hey friends, it's Ashley and Jana. Welcome back to season two of the Geek Girls Universe podcast, your home for the latest entertainment and fandom news. Hey friends, episode three of Falcon and Winter Soldier dropped this morning on Disney Plus and it did not disappoint. Power Broker sees Sam, Bucky, and Zemo teaming up to find the super soldier serum. The banter is on point, as is the action. There are a lot of callbacks to previous MCU films and comics that we will definitely get into, as well as a few theories, because what else would we do except (laughs) theories? If you are new here or you haven't already, we would love it if you left us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. It helps our podcast reach other geeks, and the more the geekier, right? If you don't know, we also have a Facebook group, Geek Girls Universe. You don't have to be a girl to join, only a geek. And if you want to take a peek at our show notes, we also will give you links to our Discord channel and our Reddit subthread so you can join us anywhere to be as geeky as your little heart desires. So let's get into it. We will let Ashley do one of her fantabulous breakdowns. Because this is definitely woo, a lot to unpack for sure. And for sure. really, you know, there's some interesting theories that we will talk about when Ashley's done. Like the callbacks were, I laughed like for the first half. Like there were a few moments where I was just like, mm, I might punch somebody or well, one somebody. <laughs> two, um, somebodies. two somebodies. Two somebodies. <sighs> You know, I wasn't as angry at him. He actually, for a hot second, maybe had a couple of reasonable things he tried to tell that loser, but, um, <laughs> I, you know, whatever. <laughs> we'll talk about that afterwards, you know. Yeah. Uh, we don't need to start off so negative, right? I mean, we're lucky <laughs> he'll just disappear one of these episodes. But, yeah, let's get into it. Let's uh, start at the top. and. All right. Well, this episode started with a commercial for the Global Reparation Council, and it was very much the cheesiest commercial you can think of. If you could think of any corporate corporation that's ever made a commercial patting themselves on the back, this was that commercial. Um, Now, while they sound like they're complete saints and they're doing the right thing, we know that they're not because the Flag Smashers wouldn't exist if they were. Carly's story, which actually we learn more about uh, in this, we learn exactly that the what the GRC is kind of up to when it comes to the displaced. So these are the people that didn't disappear in the blip and who lost things when the other people showed back up. Funny how that works when, you know, an entity claims to be so nice, but they're really not. And I mean, we didn't want to start off negative, but like right after that, everyone's least favorite person in the MCU, John Walker, is looking for Carly and the other Flag Smashers in Munich, Germany. They have come across like a safe house area where um, they were clearly being like, you know, helped along. And the guy's like, I'm not telling you nothing. I don't care about you. And he literally screams in this man's face. Do you know who I am? And bless this guy for replying like all of us want to reply to that. I don't care. I know. And I don't care. I don't care. (laughs) It was the best. I wanted to stand up and like applaud him, you know, (laughs) like, thank you, sir. I can I just say, though, too, like, 
I cannot believe, I mean, I guess I can, and I understand it's part of what they're doing to really make us not like him, but like, (laughs) he was just so aggressive. I was like, I can't handle that level of aggression this early in the morning. (laughs) Yes. Like, Marvel, if you're going to keep making him that aggressive, I'm going to need like forewarning so I don't watch it at that hour because it was just too early for me. I was like, whoa, Nellie, like you're going to need to back down a little bit on the hardcore cursing and yelling and taking stuff out on people. Like I realize you didn't get your way, but you're acting like a total biggest jerk (laughs) right now. I was like, wow, dude, like take it down a notch. And also hashtag not my cap. He would never in a million years yell at somebody like that for any reason. No, he didn't even yell at like Red Skull like that. And Red Skull was awful. Not even people that deserved it, for sure. I was just like, wow, what is happening here? I was like, ugh, no wonder nobody likes you. Like, you're a total jerk. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. So it's clear from that interaction that finding the Flag Smashers is pretty much impossible for them. Uh, Hoskins tells Walker, like, look, what they're doing, you know, helping people in need, getting medicine, getting food. He's like, that breeds loyalty as it as it would, you know, like you're going to be loyal to people trying to take care of you, not to the faux Captain America coming in trying to be like, Captain America. Um, An interesting point that's made is that even Langley, which being from the DC area, I was like, oh, ha, Langley, the CIA headquarters. (laughs) They're also having issues tracking the flag smashers. He makes a comment like, oh, it's silent. Like they can't see anything. They can't hear anything. So I found that interesting. That to me says somebody that's high enough up is keeping information from flowing in a certain direction. I just, it feels a little sus because Langley should know something and Mm. clearly they don't. So once again, Walker's like, well, we're going to need... Like to use, I forgot what term he used because I was just so mad at him, but <laughs> he uses some term essentially meaning they're going to need Bucky and Sam because yeah. they'll be able to find them. Mm-hmm. Bucky and Sam have arrived in Berlin where they go to visit Zemo at the Joint Counterterrorist Center. Bucky goes in alone because he's smart. He goes, dude, you're an Avenger. Zemo hates the Avengers. So you need to stay here. <laughs> More so than any other superhero is really just the Avengers. He loathes. Oh, for real. It's like he loathes the Avengers like we loathe John Walker. Like that's that's his level of like, I don't I can't. It might even be Uh, more than us. Maybe. Zemo immediately starts reciting the Hydra words that were formerly used to mind control Bucky. Bucky, of course, is over that. Right. Shuri and his time in Wakanda fixed him of the mind control aspect. And he's like, yeah, that doesn't work uh, on me anymore. He's like, well, I just wanted to see how you react, which is a total Zemo thing to do, trying to knock him mm-hmm. off balance. He also apologizes, which I found interesting. Whether he was sincere or not, I mean, I think he kind of was. Like, he's like, look, it wasn't personal. You were a means to an end. Yep. Which is why Zemo talks to him, because Zemo doesn't really hate Bucky. Bucky just happened to be the tool True. that he needed to accomplish the job. That means to an end quote is very, it's very telling when he does his little description to Sam as to what was about to happen. It's foreshadowing, really. 
Um, yes. <laughs> I love my uh, Italian philosophers. <laughs> so, yes, I I loved this whole interaction. So Bucky goes, what are you reading? So Zemo's reading Machiavelli, which, if you don't know, Machiavelli, who, among other things, believed it was better to be widely feared than to be greatly loved, which sounds exactly like something Zemo would be mm-hmm. on par with. And if you know anything about Zemo's family history, the other, because he's not the only Zemo in the comics, that is very on par with how they operate. But what follows is he finds something in his book. So that book was placed there by someone. Bucky, maybe, hypothetical, of course. Uh, Bucky meets up with Sam in a garage that looks like the one Steve and Sam brought Bucky to after he escaped the authorities in Civil War. Uh, and there Bucky details how Zemo could get out of jail, hypothetically speaking, Dad. of course. And it was very Ocean's Eleven with the narration coupled with the flashbacks. And it was awesome. I loved and it. So if you liked any of those types of sequences in those movies, this is going to be the sequence for you. And it was almost a little bit Louise, but not as like rapid as Louise's storytelling. Mm-hmm. But it kind of had that feel too, to me. Yeah, I could see that a little bit. So the garage is in fact Zemo's garage because, again, if you weren't aware, Zemo's wealthy. Okay. In the comic books, he's, he's literally a baron. Baron Helmet Zemo is his name. He's not the first baron. His family has been super wealthy. They collect extravagant things. So this massive garage is like every car lover's dream. It's got classics of all types and sizes. Zemo's gathering some things out of the car. In one particular trunk, we see his golden gun. Uh, And in another one is his purple hood, which we know he's going to put on later because that's his look. Then they get on his private plane because, again, the man's got money, guys. So Oznik. Zemo's butler is being played by Nicholas Pryor, who originally appeared in the 1985 espionage thriller, The Falcon and the Snowman, which I just thought was funny. Funny callback. And he also (laughs) appeared in an episode of Falcon Crest in 87. So he's like a multiple Falcon loving butler. (laughs) If you want to take that whole like Falcon bird adjacent thing one step further, he was also in the 1980 cult comedy Airplane. It's hilarious. <laughs> layers. So many layers. layers. All the layers. <laughs> uh, on the plane, we learn that the notebook Bucky has been writing in, which you and I both thought was just kind of a nod to Steve having a notebook mm-hmm. in Winter Soldier. It's actually Steve's notebook. Sam points it out. He's like, hey, I I know that. I told him about Trouble Man soundtrack, Marvin Gaye. And Bucky's like, dude, I like 1940s music. <laughs> Sam's like, What? Oh my gosh. And then Zemo like lays out this whole story of why Marvin Gaye and that soundtrack in particular is so good. And Sam's like, I mean, I'm offended, but he's right. <laughs> so funny. Uh, so yeah, it was just, but I was like, oh my heart. He has Steve's notebook. However, Zemo was reading names off of it and he reads Yuri's name, which is the elderly Asian man that Bucky has befriended after Unfortunately, you know, killing his son as as a winter soldier. Bucky was not pleased. Right. Not don't touch it. I will kill you if you touch it again is basically what he said. But if you 
If you remember, you read my other breakdown. Zemo's name's in that book, too. So I'm sure he saw it. Because how could he not? He's smart, right? He wouldn't have just read one mm-hmm. page. He would have read all the pages. Um, meanwhile, back at a GRC, so that's that reparation council, resettlement camp in Latvia, Carly is saying goodbye to a woman. It kind of feels like it's her mother. If it's not her biological mother, maybe it's just someone who took care of her. And she has that kind of um, relationship with. But the woman's definitely dying. And Carly's tearful. She says, I'm so sorry. And we kind of get more on that a little later. So the unlikely trio has now made it to Madripoor, which for comic book readers, yes, that is the X-Men location. Or I should say a location that's very frequent in the X-Men comics. And Zemo's like, listen, we got to all be in disguise. Not Zemo, not so much, but the other two, definitely. Or, you know, they're good as dead because you can't just walk into a crime lord, underworld, crime haven, whatever you want to call it, as an Avenger and a reformed Winter Soldier. (laughs) Sam's disguise is Conrad Mack, a.k.a. the Smiling Tiger. Who is, yes, a comic book character. He happens to be a member of the Thunderbolts. He also joined the Folding Circle, who, after crashing a stolen Avengers Quinjet, found themselves in Madripoor. So, Smiling Tiger, he's kind of known around these parts. Bucky, meanwhile, has to become the person that he claims is no longer inside him. And that is the Winter Soldier. He needs to just be a ruthless machine, essentially. As they're walking through the streets of Madripoor, there's a mural on the building that says the power broker is watching. We learn that it's a man, not an organization. He rules Madripoor as judge, jury, and executioner. Zemo apparently knows enough to be like, I don't want to be on his radar. Which is telling if Zemo is not about trying to like meet up with this guy. For real. He um, doesn't even want to get near him. Nope. They pass the princess bar, which is a callback to the comics where Wolverine spent some time. Mm-hmm. They end up at the Brass Monkey Saloon, otherwise known as the Bronze Monkey, which first appeared in a 1989 Captain America comic. All I can do is hear that song in my head now that we know the name. Yes. Brass Monkey. <laughs> um, so Zemo... He does the, like, Soledad, like the thing he did in Civil War. And he's talking to Bucky. And he basically tells him to attack. So Bucky takes out a ton of guys. And Sam is like, wow. First of all, I love seeing Bucky in action. The Winter Soldier theme was playing. And I know it's probably detrimental to his psyche. But, like, I love seeing him kick some butt. Mm-hmm. I mean, those were all bad people anyway. I mean, we're really in the seedy underbelly of Lowtown. It's true. So. And the- First guy that he attacked had actually come up behind them and was like going, I don't know, was he tapping Zemo on the back? Was he going to do something nefarious? I don't think we actually know and we won't ever know because, you know, Bucky took him out. But it wasn't like he was just standing there minding his own business. So, right. So don't don't cry for these guys. okay? they're they're not worth it. Uh, A hooded figure is at the bar. It's Sharon Carter. I kind of noticed it was her kind of figured it was her. So I was like, oh, she's going to be in this episode. I have a feeling. And then it was a woman, you know, just had the right build. And who else would be walking around with the hood covering their base? Um, mm-hmm. They're taken to Selby, who Zemo seems to know. 
Now, there is a mutant named Selby. It's a guy, though, but it could just be that this is a nod to, you know, again, to an X-Men, considering the location they're in. Selby, uh, you know, just wants to know what they're doing there and that Zemo's not going to get, what did she say? You're not going to get the bread without, you know, coming through me. Basically, you're not going to find the doctor that's making the super soldier serum. Yeah, it was a reference to like breadcrumbs in the baker or something. Like right. you can get the breadcrumbs, but you're not going to get the baker. Yes. So we learned that the guy making super soldier serum is Dr. Wilford Nagel, a.k.a. in the comics, Joseph Reinstein, Reinstein, who was a scientist working on Project Rebirth, which last week we talked about that. That's the experiments that Isaiah Bradley was forced to endure, which led him to becoming a super soldier. Unfortunately, their cover is blown when Sarah calls Sam and it's just trying yeah. to like, you know, talk family stuff. And it was going fine. Sam, I was dying because he was like trying to make it all tough. He's like, yeah, yeah, the bank yeah. where I launder yeah. stuff. <laughs> I was like, Sam, you can't even do tough guy. He tried so hard. But then, of course, she said, Sam. Sam, and I got to call you back. <laughs> Selby yep. Sam, who's Sam? Kill them. Yep, but if immediately somebody... Selby is taken out. And we don't know by who. Some nope. sharpshooter took Selby out. And, you know, they're fighting. They end up outside. Again, more guys are taken out. And then all of a sudden, Sharon Carter's there. And she helps them, like, escape. They end up going to Hightown, where Sharon has become a hustler, baby. <laughs> and, you know, I really like Sharon's character before, but she's a little sus right now to me. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. And we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so what we do know is that obviously she's been on the run since Civil War. She is now living the life by running an art gallery full of real and very stolen prized <laughs> art. Dead. She is also a big old cynic when it comes to the hero business, Captain Ooh. America, the government, everything. I mean, she's salty, but she has a reason to be. I mean, literally everybody else was pardoned except for her. Mm-hmm. And all she essentially did was help Cap and Sam get their stuff back, but whatever. I mean, <laughs> and I get it. Like, she probably could have, should have been pardoned as well. But at the same time, she was a federal agent and everybody else was basically free agents. So, I I mean, I get it, right? Like, there are lines in the sand that have to be drawn at some point. Right. So, it sucks. But, you know, whatever. It is what it is. She knew that going into helping them, so. Right. And Sam convinces her to help them this time. If And in turn, he will clear her name with the government, which that kind of made me go, who, Sam? Because they took the shield that you gave to the museum and gave it to this. For reals. Hayward bag. (laughs) And I don't know who's going to, you know, be buddy buddy enough with you to give you that pardon for her, but we'll see. I mean, I guess he could trade himself for doing something in exchange for her pardon, right? Like he could promise True. his services of some level instead of being a, you know, sort of free agent helping or whatever. Like True. I could see Sam doing that. Yeah. So her underground dealings allowed her to find where Nagel was hiding, which Selby said, you're never going to find him unless I tell you. And then Selby was taken out. 
Now, I'm assuming, we got to assume that she found him because of all of her contacts, right? In the, you know, selling illegal art, you would know some, you know, Mm -hmm. people, black market people. But But it just seemed really fast. It was super fast. I was like, okay, Sharon. I mean, I'm also not salty, though, that she got her chance to shine, like, legit no, shine she took sure. out a whole bunch of dudes mm-hmm. while sam and bucky and uh, zemo are trying to figure out what nagel's been up to like what's going on so we learn nagel once worked for hydra but after the super soldier experiment in siberia failed thanks to zemo he was cre- recruited by the cia Ooh, langley hmm. and given the blood of isaiah bradley in order to recreate the serum. He was eventually successful. The blip happened. He was turned to dust. He came back. His uh, project had been shut down by the CIA. And he found his way to Matripur, where the power broker was more than happy to, you know, fund his new research. We also learned he was able to make 20 doses and the Flag Smashers took all of them. And what we know is that there are eight Super Flag Smashers. Which means there are 12 doses left. U.S. agent and Lamar Hoskins, I have a feeling, are going to try to get a dose each by the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, the woman who passed away earlier in the show with uh, Carly is Donya Madani. Carly called Nigel trying to get her his help to cure her tuberculosis. Unfortunately, he couldn't or wouldn't, and she passed away. But they get the location of where this woman was. So they decide they're going to go that way. But before anything happens, Zemo kills Nagel. And his lab goes up in flames thanks to a well-timed, like, missile flame-throwing thing. And I was like, hmm, convenient. While they're all still in there, fortunately, they got out. Yes, they got out. The super soldier serum has, or sorry, the super soldier program has successfully been ended again by Zemo. I mean, I can't be mad about that. We don't really need a bunch of super soldiers mm-hmm. running around. Nope. He also helped Sam, Bucky, and Sharon in the shipyard by creating an explosion and taking out hostiles, all while wearing his purple hood. He had to put the purple hood on first. And did For it. sure. And then removed the hood, and he just, like, went back to whatever. Which was yes. Kind of and did, did they notice he was wearing the hood? I couldn't. I'd have to go back and watch again for like the twentieth time. Like they did, <laughs> but I don't. I mean, he looked at them. He was all like, "Hey, I'm doing this." Looked at them and then like left. But I don't know as though they all noticed or if any of them noticed. Right, because I'm wondering if that's why he put it on. Yes, and then like it's almost like okay, when I put on the hood, I'm this like super dude that can like take people out. Like, because we've never really seen Zemo fight. He's just Mm-mm. smart guy. But we see a little bit of it in this episode. Whereas when he takes the hood off, he's back to like his mild mannered alter ego, you know, like, oh, I'm just a smart guy who's a professor. Like he has a very professor Zemo kind of thing going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyways, he also conveniently happens to have a car in a shipping container on the dock. <laughs> just probably just one or 14. Yeah, I was like, well, that works, Zemo. You got a car. It's a nice Pontiac Firebird. <laughs> and he's like, all right, let's get out of here. Oh, by the way, I also have a house in Riga where Donya Madini happened to be and pass away. 
Mm-hmm. Also convenient. You know. All right, Zemo, just like throwing your money around. And in probably the most hilarious callback, Sam gets in the car. Uh, and he's like, you're not going to move your seat up, are you? It wasn't even a question. Nope. It wasn't like, oh, will you? He was just like, yeah, you're not going to move your seat up, are you? And Buggy's like, no. <laughs> Payback is a you know what, Sam. That's yep. what you get. Uh, what's also interesting here is that they offer Sharon, you know, like, hey, like, come with us. And she says no. Which makes her suspicious again. Because mm-hmm. presumably... The power broker is a bad dude who's going to now come after you because you've assisted these guys in taking out his scientists. Yes. Unless Sharon is the power broker. or And or working with the power broker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not my favorite theory, but I do like it. Mm-hmm. It would explain how she found him so fast. Sure would why she was in that bar in particular and a lot of her uh, suspicious behavior. And like yeah. I said, she's a cynic. So working for a bad guy, I mean, that's about as 180 as you can get from going, you know, from being a hero. I mean, you're on the run from the government because you're considered enemy of the state. You disappear for five years because of the blip. You come back. Nobody's there to help you. Nobody cares. All of your friends that did basically the same thing you did got pardoned. Mm-hmm. And you have to basically run with no support system. You can't see your friends or family. You're, I mean, I don't know. That might be enough to make me turn into a criminal. Right. Doing the use of whatever. I wonder if, if so, so let's, let's go down that rabbit hole for a quick second. If she's the power broker, I wonder if she took out the original power broker and that the scientist thing that was left over from the old dude and she wasn't really game for this because she knows obviously this is a problem. And once you were originally a good guy, I feel like somewhere deep down inside you still are. So maybe she's like, yeah, this guy needs to go. Yeah. Because it's plausible. I'm just saying. Also, who was taking out the other bad guys? Who took out Selby? It clearly wasn't her. She didn't have a sharpshooting rifle. No. She had a regular pistol. And that assailant looked like it was a male. Yeah. So I guess it could have been a tall, bulky woman. We do not know. Could have been transgender. Who's to say? True. We don't want to make assumptions. But it didn't look like Sharon. How about that? Yeah. I agree. Well, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, and here's where it gets interesting with the, again, that global company that's trying to quote unquote help people. Outside of one of their facilities in Lithuania, Carly and the Flag Smashers are scoping the place out. They end up taking supplies, mostly food. To feed those in the displacement camps, which we had learned from Dr. Nagel that the tuberculosis that that woman died of is very common because of their packed cramped conditions. And if you've read in history about any type of, you know, like war or internment camps where a bunch of people are forced to live together, even in like the slums, 
that kind of stuff is rampant because it spreads very easily in close quarters. Um, so yeah, this facility was sitting on, I think she said, what, three months worth of food and they weren't doing anything with it. Meanwhile, there's people starving to death right there. So they're not as saintly as they'd like to make themselves out to be. Now, granted, the Flag Smashers aren't doing the right thing necessarily, especially when Carly blows up the building as they walk away. Even her, like, second in command is like, wow, um, okay, that, uh, there were people in that building. So I think that she's kind of going towards the more extreme, which is very similar to the character in the comics, whereas her, um, team is kind of more on the lines of like, Hey, I just want to like steal food and help poor people not blow up buildings. Yeah. But yeah. So I have more sympathy for her than I do for anything Walker is going to come up with. Just putting that out there. (laughs) Uh, Absolutely. Now on Zemo's plane, because you know, Hey, they're headed to Riga. Mm -hmm. Sam admits that he did the wrong thing. But Instead of just saying he shouldn't have turned over the shield, he says, I should have destroyed it. Bucky reminds him that the shield means a lot of things to a lot of people, including himself. Mm -hmm. And that the world is broken and people need a symbol, but it's not Walker. See, they need Sam to take up that mantle. So, whoo, I got chills. I was like, yes, Sam. It's By episode another, six. <laughs> it's another dig. Like, Sam, what are you doing? Right. Uh, so they arrive in Riga. Bucky kind of goes, oh, you know, I, I'm going to check on something. I got to I gotta lead. I'll be back. I'm going for a walk. You know, and he kind of strolls off and they're like, what? Where are you going? But as he's walking along, he's picking up, uh, if you remember, what those beads look like. Mm-hmm. Those are Wakanda beads from their mm-hmm. bracelets. And he eventually gets into an alley and he's like, you dropped it. Turns around. I like, ah, yes. It was Io, one of the Dora Milaje who was last seen in Captain America, the Civil War. Yep. And she's uh, like, I'm here for Zemo. And he's just like, yeah, yeah I kind of figured. <laughs> I was like, the white wolf of Wakanda. Yes. <laughs> and so for people that may or may not know, she's, um, that group is their, the bodyguards. Um, right. And she specifically is one of the bodyguards for the East King T'Challa. Yes. Which is why she was there specifically for Zemo. Yes. And one more for Sharon is sus. She gets into a car with someone is like, we're going to, we have a problem. Actually, we have a few. Yeah, we have, we have a couple. Did she say a couple or two? I think she said a couple, but I mean, that means two. Right, right. That's yeah, that but yeah, that's what I was getting at. It was more than so, one, but not a ton. <laughs> again, I mean, is she just saying that the power broker's gonna be after them? Is she yeah. working for some secret government or and some sort of hero group? Mm. Right. And is that who was taken out the other people? Could be. With the rifle. I'm mean, just it's a little mm-hmm. sus. Not a Easter egg or anything, but just commentary on the drink that the bartender makes for <laughs> when he is um, dressed as the smiling tiger. I died. And that is disgusting. Like Sam's like, oh, oh, fish, whatever it was. I thought it was a and snake. 
Oh, it might have been a snake. I don't It was a big, long, whatever thing. It was disgusting. And they're all looking at it like, that is, oh. And poor Sam is like, oh, dear God. And Bucky's <laughs> even like, okay, I'm turning around because I can't even look at you doing this. And he's just like, oh, 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 yeah, we're doing, oh, we're doing this. Yep. Okay. Got to do it. And I mean, just, <laughs> the look on his face, even pretending it's like a real thing, because you know, obviously it's acting, but like, oh, so <laughs> nasty. I mean, Sam's a champ for even attempting to knock, knock that back. For sure. Oof. So you wouldn't, you wouldn't make that drink? <laughs> Absolutely not. Oh, I know. His face would have me done when he was like, oh. Oh, okay. He oh. Like, goes to, like he goes to drink it and he's like, oh, wait, I can't yet. <laughs> like he really had to prep himself. I was like, oh my goodness. It's like Sophie's face the time I try to make her eat an oyster. <laughs> I don't eat oysters either, so. She put it in her mouth and like tried to swallow it and then decided she couldn't. And then it like sat there in her mouth. You're like, <laughs> I mean, it felt like 30 seconds. I'm sure it was like four. And then she basically like spit it in her hand and was like, Ugh. and I was like, Ugh trash cans over there dude i was like <laughs> you don't really like put it in your mouth you just literally shoot it back and swallow it i was like oh <laughs> anyway she's ruined on oysters i think forever i would say we so mm-hmm. yeah yeah like i like that this one kind of connected to the thunderbolts with yes sam's yes. disguise and then obviously mm-hmm. zemo is a massive connection to Yes. That. Um. Obviously, the Black Panther connection. We know when Sam was like, "Oh, you the White Panther," and he's like, "White Wolf." Actually, that was hilarious. I was also. like, "Yes." So this shows that he's still very much in contact with them. I think mm-hmm. he might have cued her in or cued them in. Hey, I'm gonna get him out. But see, there's the the trickery, right? I'm getting him out to use him. But see, then you guys can take him. That's right. I but mean, let- that's totally plausible. Especially yeah. given his book and his like a men's list and whatever. And right. then also he's not breaking his rule per his therapist and he's not doing the hurting. True. Not for Zemo anyway. He definitely hurt those guys in that club. <laughs> I mean it's true. I mean it's fine. But nobody died. No, they're fine. It's fine. Everybody's fine. Everybody's um, fine. That's fine. <laughs> But yeah, and I love the the Black Panther connection and that the White Wolf is still, you know, like a son of Wakanda at this point. Yeah. Um, I think we have a new show, though. It's like the uh, Smiling Tiger and the White Wolf. Yes. Somebody called, I saw a meme. It was like the, the Black Falcon and the White Panther. Yes, I saw that. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, man. So funny. I also have to say, like, that whole Machiavellian thing is kind of interesting. And it's one of the rabbit holes I went down this morning when I was trying to finish my Easter egg post. And, you know, just, oh, man, you guys, Reddit subthreads, just Google, reading all the things in general. Like, oh, it, it's so daunting. Like, I'm in the middle <laughs> of two posts and trying to update things. And then I was like, oh, and I watched this three times and I'm getting screenshots. And it's like the next thing I know it, here we are at like, you know, three o'clock on a Friday. <laughs> and I know we're done with actual work for the day. Just, you know, Marvel shenanigans. I think Machiavelli is a very 
interesting philosopher anyway. His individual political thoughts and philosophies, his whole like the ends justify the means thing is obviously one of his big things, but also the whole he doesn't really care if, you know, people like him as long as he has power kind of deal. Zemo is not necessarily a true Machiavellian villain, but he has so many of those characteristics Mm -hmm. uh, that I just think like that was such a good play on Marvel's part with that. I mean, we can call it an egg or whatever, but it is very telling. Agreed. Uh, He uses people for what he needs and he moves on when he's done. And I mean, he said as much to Bucky, you know, he, he did apologize for it ish. Then it was straight up just like, Oh, well, I'm sorry. It was a means to an end. A very necessary end. Like, okay. <laughs> so you do not care about other people and the consequences, but you will do whatever you need to do to get your achieved goals. Right. As a literary nerd, I was like, oh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it kind of was along the lines of the Theseus ship yes. uh, debate in WandaVision. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, look, all my college classes are coming in handy. I think the apology was interesting because it it didn't it felt not entirely genuine but not 100% disingenuine but typically Machiavellian villains aren't remorseful for their actions. I'm still deciding like did he actually mean that or was he just <laughs> I like I said I think part of it was sincere but not in a I'm so sorry like a right. super more mm-hmm. I think it was just more of a like ah uh, I mean I'd do it again if I had to like he would. Yeah. Clearly. 100% that. So, you know, I don't think that he was remorseful in a sense where he regretted it. I think oh, he no, just was more not. like, look, dude, it's nothing personal. I would just, I needed to get this done and yeah. I would do it again. So just, you know. Yeah. yeah. yeah again, no, Zemo no. is a great, I saw a lot of people, I mean, I've talked about this before. I, we talked with Patty too on her podcast, you know, I like Zemo and I was excited he was back. And a lot of people are like, he's so lame. I'm like, but he's not. No, he's he was not super, he was successful in civil war. Sure. He got captured yeah. in the end. However, he succeeded in what he was set out to do. And the ramifications of what he did carried into infinity war and in game. Mm-hmm. So super successful villain. Well, and, and that's, one of the characteristics of being a Machiavellian villain are that they're often seen as puppet masters, right? Like they use right. the tools and other people to get what they want and to accomplish their goals. Exactly. Which is what he did. Uh, like Zemo to me. Yes. So <laughs> I I saw a lot of chatter. People were like, wow, he's really cool. He's so cool. I'm like, I know. I've been trying to tell you that. He's so smart. And that's what makes him such a good villain because he's calculating and he's got a lot up his sleeve. You got to watch him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I love how he's all like, Sam's like, don't you do anything like that again? He's like, oh no, I wouldn't. And I was like, okay. Yeah. He's like, like, I wouldn't dream of it. It's like when my kids tell me they won't do that again. I was like, okay. Exactly. Not. I found it interesting that there were several points in the show where he could have abandoned them, but he didn't, which, and it even looked at one point, like uh, the shipyard in particular, that he was going to abandon them, but actually he helped them. So I think, again, it's all a game to him. 
So like, oh, you thought I was going to abandon you, but I really didn't. Look, I'm still here. Oh, I'll serve you food on the plane. And it's not poisonous. You know, it's all a like, let's lure them into a false sense of security. Mm-hmm. And then do the double cross. Yeah. But if Bucky's got Wakanda lurking around, oh. keeping an eye on things, you can try to double cross all you want, Zemo, but the Dora Milaje are going to take you down. Yeah, they are. Oh, if Okoye shows up, I'm going to lose my mind. I love her. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh, it's going to be a good time. For sure. I will or not. <laughs> so, yeah, with that, we are now halfway through Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which oh, is crazy. It. it is. But you know what? I feel like. So I will say, like, when we were doing WandaVision every week. When we got to the halfway point of that, I did not feel like I could see a resolution anywhere in the near future. And and I know that we weren't going to get like a resolution, quote unquote, but like I didn't really see where it was going. It was just kind of chaotic, if that makes sense, which, oh, the yeah. irony, like chaos magic, right? But like <laughs> that, that really wasn't like an intended pun. It was just it was just a lot of stuff going on without any what looked like to be any kind of real closure or resolution or where those storylines were going. And this feels very different to me. Like it feels like you can see where these things are going. So yeah, that feels good. it feels like I'm halfway through end game. Not that I want to, you know, repeat that necessarily, but it feels like we're through <laughs> infinity war and we're getting ready for end game. Yeah. In terms this- of like hours wise and like storyline. Right. And this show, this episode in particular, you know, I talked about it. It's like, this one definitely felt like a movie. Mm-hmm. It's so um, good. So, so this, well done. this series is more, I think, cinematic in its tone. And that's why we're only getting six episodes. There are longer. Right. But the quality is on point with a, you know, a Marvel Studios film. So I'll yeah. take, sh- I'll take less episodes if it means the quality is superb. Then get more episodes with poor quality. And I don't think that's to say that, I mean, I don't think this is what you're saying, but it's not to say that WandaVision was poor quality. It was just different. No, but like that one was shorter and mm-hmm. the, it didn't feel like a movie. It definitely had the no. nice effects and stuff. They didn't, sp- I'm not saying, no, not at all. I'm not saying that they, they like slacked. It's, I was more actually talking about like Game of Thrones, for instance, that right, right. drug on and they blew their budget and they couldn't have the dragons or they couldn't have the dire wolves. And I was like, dude, right. both are important to the story if you're one of the book readers like me. So no, that is actually what I'm referring to. I'm glad they're not pulling a Game of Thrones and dragging it out. But again, they would never do that because this is Marvel and they're super smart. They're like, right. here's our story and we're going to tell it and it's going to make sense. And it's going to make sense within the bigger picture. It's not just going to be some hodgepodge mismatch it's not going to be like some other thing ended universe that starts with two letters yeah or you know they're not going to be like here's the same thing but in gray (laughs) same thing extended cut and then in gray yeah exactly (laughs) we can't be bothered to make a movie so we're just going to pull footage from a previous one (laughs) basically so yeah there you go what I'm saying is Marvel is putting their effort into their I'm not TV even shows. Sorry, I just said that. <laughs> Marvel is taking the same approach, meticulous care that they put into the movies 
into their TV shows. That's the point I was <laughs> trying yeah, to no, make. I know, I knew that. <laughs> I was like, we should just clarify in case somebody's listening that doesn't know our love for Marvel and is like, wow, they're bashing WandaVision. I was like, no, that is no, 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 like, no. That's not what she's saying at all. Love, love like, WandaVision. We clarify this. Yes. <laughs> so that people nope. know. Just I in love- case they're new. <laughs> I was like, in case they didn't listen to like our, you know, nine episodes on WandaVision. There you go. <laughs> they need to know our love for that as well. <laughs> well, all right. Got anything else you want to add about this week's episode? I don't think so. I think that's it. So thank you so much again for joining us for this week's episode of the Geek Girls Universe podcast. We are super excited as always to break down all the fabulous Falcon and Winter Soldier coverage. Episode three was fantastic. I am positive episode four will be just as epic because, duh, Marvel Studios. Exactly. In the meantime, have a great weekend and we'll be back with the Weekly Bugle for you next week. If you want to share anything with us, tweet us at that Ashley Aaron and Whiskey and Sunshine and see you soon. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more geeky goodness.